So this is going to be an odd episode because I am sick. It might be food poisoning. It might be a low level f- food poisoning. <laughs> it might be a low level fever or I don't think it's a flu. But um, I was working on a movie recently with two of the biggest stars in Hollywood. And I wanted to tell you while it was still fresh in my mind and what an impact it made on me. Even though I feel terrible, I wanted to get this out there there and you know me and you know that I'm always going to soldier on if I can because I want to stay consistent and make sure that I don't lose the muscle that continues to make this show on a regular basis. So, uh, you know, lock into this energetic guy (laughs) and uh, I don't want to say too much more. So here is psychotherapy with me, Sick Jet. I am not well. I don't know if it's food poisoning or what, but... uh, Last night, I felt absolutely horrible. My stomach felt horrible, and I <laughs> couldn't go to sleep. Today, I felt achy all day. It feels like the tail end of a flu that I didn't have, but uh, I still knew I had to do this show for some reason, so here I am. Come hell or high water, I'll do this show. Now, I hope I'm not giving you guys a gift of badness because uh, because I'm not at my normal stream of uh, thinking. By that delay, you can tell where I am mentally. But I had to tell you a story. If this show had recorded 24 hours ago, it would be very different because I didn't start feeling really bad till last night. About a week ago, Gina and I went to Central Casting. This is a place where you have to have your photo if you're an actor. It's the one of the aggregate places that just exists that you have to have your information at, like Actors Access, all that stuff. But they mostly do background acting. And... I didn't want to do this because I started there in 2011. I worked my way up over the years from a non-union actor. It was not easy. And then I started going on auditions, and this always feels like a uh, move backwards. So it's humbling. But Gina said, mostly what you're doing is just working out, working on the podcast, working on comedy. You need another thing to do during the day. So I did it anyway. While we were there, there's this wall of all these actors. Right before you go in and you get your picture, it's, it's right in front. And it shows the picture they had done at Central Casting, and in the back of it is a picture they have now as a full-time professional actor. One of the people there is Rami Malek. Rami Malek was the guy in Bohemian Rhapsody. But before that, he went to high school with my brother and they were really good friends. This guy actually used to come over to my parents' house. We used to hang out at my grandparents' house. He even went to a couple of family tradition events on my mom's side of the family. Um, And so we knew him pretty well, Stephen did. I saw him a lot, but we were definitely not friends. I didn't have his phone number. We were friendly, but he wasn't, you know, my friend. I just say that because I don't want to you guys to think that I'm like palling around with Oscar winners. I pal around with Oscar Meyer wieners, but <laughs> no, I'm a vegetarian. I don't even do that. There I go lying again, trying to up my status by saying I have friends who are hot dogs. Well, my breathing may be a little annoying and you're just going to have to put up with this because I think that I won't be able to do too much editing because of the condition I feel right now. But take this as a sign of how much I care about you guys because, uh, and guyettes because I'm still going. Anyway, so we're at this casting office and we see this Rami Malek thing. I tell Gina, I, I know I'll work with him one day. And I told her that when we got the advanced screening of Bohemian Rhapsody. And so I didn't think anything of it. The casting office sent me about 10 to 15 different projects. I accepted some of them, didn't accept others. And then once you accept it, they send it to the show's casting office and they decide whether or not you're going to be uh, eligible. Finally, I end up getting the show simply because I have a mustache. And the show ends up being something called The Little Thing. And 
Gina looks it up. She finds out who's in it. It's a movie, and it's with Denzel Washington and Rami Malek. Now, I don't want to go into the ethereal part of this, the sorcery, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, but I just had a feeling. But then I didn't think about it. I end up booking this gig. I end up getting there, and I see him straight out of the gate. I go, oh, my God, he looks a lot like he did before. I didn't know why I wanted to meet him. I didn't know how I was going to meet him, but I knew I would. So I just put that out there, or maybe I didn't put it out there. Maybe I just was aware that that's a thing that existed that had nothing to do with out there. I was just realizing something. So I worked the whole day. I talked to people. It was uncomfortable. It wasn't that great. Finally, I'm a photographer in the movie, and I'm in this scene with Denzel Washington and Rami Malek. Pretty cool thing, watching their process. I want to go into more about watching Denzel and his acting, but I'm just so exhausted right now. And I'm not trying to give you guys a bad show. <laughs> you know me, I feel that sometimes the conditions of where I am when I record this seep into the episode. And I don't think that I have to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed every time to make the episode what it needs to be. And in this case, I felt that there was something that needed to be stated in this, uh, let's call it, wavelength. Because I'm very diminished right now. You know, but maybe there's a part of me that's more surrendered because... I don't have all the egoic tools that I normally would when I have higher energy. I just know I'm going to meet this guy. At the end of the day, I go over to him. It just, man, it's fate. <laughs> you know, he's so famous. He's so important. So he's pretty guarded, right? But I just trusted. So right when we're leaving, giving my props, my big camera, because I'm a photographer, to the props department, and I see him and I shake his hand. It was clumsy, guys. It was just like stand-up. I think I even said an amalgamation of like, his name wrong, like Rami 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 was a I should have been like, hi Jet, my name is Rami. I mean, uh, uh, it was almost like that. I fumbled a little bit, but then I talked to him about my brother and our mutual friends. And then I talked to him about how I thought it was pretty cool that he was one of those guys who made it to the other side because he's a Valley boy and he's an Oscar winning actor now. And he told me some advice. And then one of the things he said is Jet, just know that you're just one thing away from it all falling into place. And you've heard that before. You've heard it in books. You've heard it from people. You've heard it from me. But when you have a guy who you've seen go through what he's gone through to get where he is, and he says something like that, it has resonance. And this is when I realized why I had to talk to him. And I'm sharing it with you because I think it's important. I've never thought this before in my life, but it dawned on me the minute I was done with my conversation with Rami. It was that the conscious me, the visible me, did not need to meet this guy. Okay? But shaking his hand and talking to him was for the invisible me. The, <laughs> and that's not, that's not a new Pixar movie. Maybe it is. But it was for the thing that I am outside of my body. And I, I know even that sounds probably worse than spirit or whatever or consciousness. There it is, subconscious. That's what I really meant. I'm just tired. It was for my subconscious because once you've actually met someone like that, you've talked to him, it becomes tangibly real. Something clicks. He was right. And it wasn't until I was driving home that night that I realized that it was over a week ago, or less, I don't remember. That's not important. <laughs> that uh, I told you and I'd meet him. I hadn't even remembered. Isn't that insane? That something that I had committed to and talked about for a long time, and then again the week before, the first project I get is with this guy that I knew. And Denzel Washington, one of my favorite actors of all time. Probably the actor whose movies I watch the most. And then I fall into a trap. <laughs> Not literally. 
I have enough energy to have just pictured myself in a bear trap. And then because I'm so sore and like feverish that I'm like, oh no, my leg, it feels like it's in a bear trap. I fall into a trap where I start to egoically define these things on the conscious level. It doesn't work that way. I don't get to know why all this happened. I met some good people on set too, and I recommended them to this show. I shared with them my experience, the kind of stuff I do with you guys. And I think that was helpful to some folks, hopefully. But also, I just get in this realm where I want to know what I don't know. And I really want to know the stuff that I have no way of getting to know through effort. So what I mean by that is that I can't work harder in my mind to find out why the synchronicity that's been happening in my life has been happening. The last episode, I talked about gooses, right? And their instinct. And I talked about Ryan Goosling, too. But that's just funny. It wasn't real. He doesn't fight South the winner. He might. But uh, while I was talking about that, I was thinking about geese. I don't know why it popped into my head that episode. But last night, Gina and I are in our house, and I hear, ah, 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 ah. that's a terrible goose impression. Place your own goose impression there. And there are geese flying over our house, south for the winter, just like I had felt during that episode, that their instinct was guiding them. 3,000 miles. They can fly up to 1,500 miles a day, and they're just guided by instinct. No one told them. So I think there's something to that, because obviously we have instinct too, and maybe it's to follow our path. Now, we're much more complex creatures. It's not as simple as going south because the weather is changing. But because we're more complex, we try and define it more as opposed to just following it. I wanted to have an episode where I just screamed and yelled hilarious things about how I was on set and how fun it was and how one of my lines was going to be, <laughs> I think it was like, the three of us were sitting to lunch and between the three of us, we had three Oscars because Denzel had two best actor Oscars. And I almost said I have one and Rami has one, Rami. And uh, I wanted this to be a really high energy, fun show, but I'm just so tired. And I thought maybe that'll furnish something. Maybe that'll give you something, but maybe it's just a bad episode. <laughs> and for that, I'm sorry. But there's something else here, okay? It goes into what I said the other day. Someday is never. And I knew I had to do something for my subconscious. And now I'm finally understanding why I had to do this episode. I'm sure you can hear that this is hard for me. I have to pause and drink some water. I've been sore all day. And this isn't a marathon. It's not heroic. I'm not jumping on a battlefield and carrying someone off who's injured. But I can't let the mechanism that I count on for consistency in delivering something to an audience turn off just because I feel different. Because stuff like this matters. If you'll do something when you feel your lowest, when you feel just okay or a little sluggish, you'll say, oh, well, that's okay. I know I can do this now because me in the past could do it even under harder conditions. Yesterday, I ran six miles when I got home because I didn't want to lose that. You know, so I'm working on the visible and the invisible self. And I think that the harmony between those two, as it's spoken about in the Buddhist religion quite often, is what's going to bring you the best results in following what it is you're supposed to. Because if we are the antenna to the universe or to ourselves, our subconscious, the cleaner that antenna is, the better the frequency reception will be. I mean, when you think or you read about people like Einstein or Edison, 
or any of the geniuses who came up with something that shifted the world. They did not come up with it at a chalkboard. They came up with it walking around or Newton with the, uh, what, apple tree? I almost said honey tree, but that's Winnie the Pooh. Honey tree? Is there a honey tree? Honey bee. So I, I read books about Edison and Einstein and they would have to unfocus, like I've told you before, to get this insight. Because pounding away at the numbers wasn't going to do it for them solely. They had to wait for something. Now, they didn't know they were doing that, but something would just click when they're walking. An idea would float into their head and that would shift the world. Where would we be without electricity? Where would we be without the inventions of these earth-changing individuals? But then you'll look in, if you're curious, and see that there's this synchronicity in another country on the other side of the world that had no connection to here. They're inventing the same thing. This kind of group consciousness. Why am I blabbering on about this? Because remarkable things have been happening to me since I went up and did my open mic. Remarkable things. And I consistently am doing the things that challenge me, consistently doing the things that would be easier not to because I want to continue that flow. Like I talked about, I think in 38, being in the river. I can't stop off at the side of the river or I'm going to lose that flow state that brings me where I need to be. And I also have to trust. And sometimes that's trusting someone else that you can trust. Like in the case where I trusted my wife going to this place that put me somewhere where I needed to be. And I don't get to know what that is right now, even though my bunky, 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 monkey brain, bunky, monkey brain here for bunky, monkey brain forward. (laughs) I don't get to know. But I get to feel that it's right. You know, especially when I'm not feeling well, or I'm not on any of my medication, I just think and I hear myself and I go, what a damn cuckoo bird you are. Who says this nutty stuff? What does this all mean? You're nuts. But I must persist and I must keep going and I must ignore that stuff. I don't know how this episode would be anything other than tremendously boring and I know it's going to be very short. But I felt I needed to talk about it and that's all I can say. And I really don't want people to look at this entire project I've been doing, psychotherapy, as a thing that is one is better than the other, another one is funnier, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's all a part of the whole novel, the whole narrative. And I want you to hear from me when I'm in the mountains and using a pizza box to shield the microphone. And I want you to hear from me when I'm struggling to stay on the mic because I feel so ill. I don't know why. It's that instinct stuff again. I just know I have to. And I believe. I believe And that's a whole heck of a lot of it, too. And I have to trust that the process guides this to the people who need to hear it, even when I don't know what it is I'm saying or what it is it'll be heard as. I just know I need to do it. And enough of me talking about why I need to do a podcast. I'm going to go feel terrible, lay down, and have some liquids because they tell me that's good. Thank you so much for listening to this. I should be 100 times better by next episode. I'm Jet Dunlap, feeling pretty trashy. <laughs> Not trashy like a like a hook or anything. Just I feel kind of like trash. So I'm still Jet Dunlap, and this has been Psychotherapy. <laughs>